Have you been enjoying this uh, Supernatural series venue? How are we doing? We doing okay with the snow? Welcome to Canada. It'd be tough to live in Canada. I'm preaching a sermon series about the power of the Holy Ghost. Let's go old school Pentecostal. The power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Not in the way that, that you think you can handle it, but in the way that Jesus uh, told you to. I've been thinking about Peter a lot this week. I don't know if you've been feeling like Simon Peter Parker before he got bitten by a radioactive spider. But I feel like this sermon series is just perfectly timed by the Holy Spirit. Right now, for what we need, for what you need in your life, I've been thinking a lot about Peter. I read this in my devotions this morning. It says, after leaving the synagogue that day, Jesus, uh, Luke records this. Luke is a doctor, by the way. How many people know the doctor's got to be pretty good with details? Luke records. I hope so. Anyways, my doctor. I don't care about your doctor. <laughs> after leaving the synagogue, Jesus went to Simon, or Simon Peter's home, where he found Simon's mother-in-law very sick with a high fever. Anybody have a mother-in-law in the house? Guys, it's not a sin to say that you have one. Please heal her, everyone begged. We think everyone begged. Standing at her bedside, he rebuked the fever and it left her. I've been wondering for years, why did Peter deny Jesus three times? And now we know. Do you get it? it was, it's a mother-in-law joke. That's, that's why it's funny. I know, guys, you're going to laugh about this later. You're laughing on the inside. You're not allowed to laugh if your wife is beside you. It's okay. I think Peter's like, but maybe heaven could, could use her up there. We've been talking about supernatural power and how Simon Peter needed the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit to be poured out upon him all of the disciples did you do i don't think that you have all of the holy spirit that there is that's a pretty interesting thing to think that you you could actually handle all of that we're starting today's sermon with a, a quote called, that says this supernatural power is no accident it's an accident huh come on help me preach venue church tell me that was pretty clever i thought Supernatural power is no accident, it's an accident. God wants you to work in the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, but that's not how it is right now in your life, is it? And so we need more of the Holy Spirit. Whether or not you move into the supernatural in your life depends on one main thing. It's not a luck thing, it's not a chance thing, it's not favoritism, it depends really on one main thing in your life. Are you ready? It depends on whether or not you trust your Heavenly Father or not. It comes down to a matter of trust. Whether or not you move into the power of the supernatural depends on whether you trust your Father in heaven or not. See, the nature of the supernatural is that it is counterintuitive to your flesh. Anybody have a strong flesh that wants you to do bad things, that gets afraid really quickly? Come on. And so what we have to do is you trust your flesh way too much, and when you trust your flesh way too much, you have to actually move from trusting your flesh to trusting in your Father in heaven. See, you can trust your flesh and all of the control that you think it gives you, and then you, then you come to Christ, and then you try to put God in a carefully controlled box. 
But when you come over here, you have to give up control. You have to give up the control of your flesh and you actually have to give it over to your father in heaven. And you have to walk that flesh across the boat, that, that trust across the boat and give it to your father in heaven. Meaning at some point you're going to have to distrust what you think that you know. Does that make sense? You have to distrust what you think that you know. God, your father, God, your father is the parent of the year, a million years running. And he's a shoe in for the next million years. Anybody in the house, not a parent of the year, every day of the year. And if you think that you are, you don't have kids yet. So shut up. You don't know. God, your heavenly father has never given you one reason and he's never given anybody one reason and he never will and he never can for why he can't be trusted. He always keeps his word. But me as a father, I'm a bit flawed. Let me tell you about something I did one time. Guys, can we stop monkeying around over here? Like seriously. Let me tell you about something that I did one time. Sorry, but it's just agitating my spirit. We're preaching the word of God here. So can we respect the word of God? We're preaching about the power of the Holy Spirit here, which you need in your life. So one uh, Halloween, when we lived in the town where we came from, um, one Halloween, how was Halloween for everybody? Too much Halloween partying, guys, and the COVID cases spiked. <laughs> Too much candy, we couldn't resist. But one Halloween, my, um, my, daughter, my daughter Katie, she, she had quite a Halloween haul. And I, I used to have a man cave. Thank you, Sean, by the way. I, I, I used to have a, a man cave in the town that we came from that was a beautiful man cave. I had my own fridge. You know, when you live with five women, everybody, you need a little something. You need a little something to yourself. I had a couch in that man cave that was literally better than the car that I, the first car that I had. And I didn't have a cheap first car. The, the couch I bought was like literally an expensive couch that, and you're welcome, Airdrie. When I came to church to plant the, the church here, I lost my man cave and that couch sits in the basement and my kids cram popcorn in it now. You're welcome. You're welcome. We had to give up a lot to come. I gave up my man cave to come. And Aaron and I, we used to watch uh, TV in the man cave at night when the kids were in bed. How many kids have, uh, how many people have kids that sleep fairly soundly? It's good because we got snacky. For Halloween treats. Anybody get snacky for those little bags of chips? And so, because Katie's room was the closest, we tiptoed in there and we stole a couple of chip bags. And we took the chip bags and, and we went back into the man cave and we feasted. But how many people know that sin, if you don't remove temptation from you, sin lies at the door tomorrow. And tomorrow, the next night we got snacky again. And maybe the next night. You got to remove temptation. The Bible says flee it. Don't try to resist it. You got to flee it. And we, um, we, yeah, we, we had a bad run as parents. And, and, and my, my daughter, Katie, she didn't used to just cry back then. Like when she was smaller, she used to like howl cry. Um, anybody's kid cry like not normal volumes and stuff? Well, Ailish is sitting right here. Ailish used to cry like a, anybody heard, watched the Lord of the Rings and, and heard the Nazgul? Okay, Ailish used to cry like, not like a Nazgul, it was worse. It was like a, a Nazgul getting eaten by another Nazgul. That's what she used to sound like, like earplug time, right? Katie used to howl cry, and I hear this howling from downstairs. I'm like, oh my goodness, is she dying, you know? 
And so I run downstairs and, and she's sobbing and she's doing this like, Dad, somebody, who would steal? We're not sure of the number, but we think it was at least 13 bags of chips. I took inventory when I got my Halloween candy home. And here's my inventory and here's what's missing. Who would do this to me in my own home? I had to, we had to come to Jesus moment as parents. I said, baby, it was us. And I had to go out and buy her a box of chips to atone for my sin. And uh, she's working in the kids right now. In the first service, I threw her a bag of chips. I'm going to throw this to Ayla to make sure that that gets there. Because she will know. <laughs> Why didn't we just go to Neela's, man? Neela never knows what she's got in there. You know, the, the funny thing is, when we moved to Airdrie, we, we went uh, Halloween, uh, shop, uh, Halloween shopping. We, they went out for Halloween. And they came back with a... And, and I, I looked one day. I'm just like, I'm just going to go into Katie's room and see. I'm just going to see if I can sneak a bag of chips. Just for old time's sake. And so, so I go in there and Katie's got like locked down. She has a cardboard box. I don't know how she fortified it. I couldn't, I spent five minutes trying to figure out a way to get in it. She had a lock on there this big that grandpa had from Russia and she had it all incorporated. I couldn't get into it. I knew that there was candy inside and I couldn't get into it. Why? Because she didn't trust us. That's a shame really when you can't trust your own dad. Listen, God, your heavenly father has never done anything untrustworthy, never done anything to deserve you not trusting him. But Jesus knew because of your human condition that you were going to trust your flesh way too much. We have to move from the flesh into the supernatural. There's only one way to do it. It's trust. We had a snack accident. <laughs> the Holy Spirit and the power of the supernatural, it's no accident. It's an accident. You have to ask to get it. Now, let me tell you a little bit about my church history. Can I do that? Because if you come from church, look, if you don't come from church, you're really easy to preach to because I just preach out of the word of God and then you go do it and it works, right? But <laughs> how many people know that sometimes people come from church, they have more hangups than unchurched people have because after 30 years of going to church, you start thinking that church more ha has more to do with your experience and it has to do with the word of God. And God has things for you that, that you choke up with what you think that you know already. Anybody? Just me? I'm a pastor's kid, so I know. I, I, I know. So let me tell you a little bit about our, 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 my church history, just so you know where I'm coming from with this series. So we, I, I grew up in a charismatic church. That's, that's like Holy Ghost. Um, it's not like the Holy Ghost is not in any other church. So, but it's just like we, we operated in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, yeah. prophecy and and, um, you know, word of wisdom, word of knowledge. That was, the music was loud. You know, we danced with snakes. We didn't dance with snakes. But look, if you come from a very traditional setting, you have this idea in your head of a charismatics, like, oh my goodness, speaking in tongues, it's always speaking in tongues and dancing with snakes. You know, you have this idea that this is how church looks over there. It's not, of course, but, but when you understand this whole idea of, of of moving in the gifts of the spirit. So that's what I came from. And so I should say, and then my wife, Erin, she grew up in what we would consider a much more traditional setting. And so, so people who like, there's all sorts of churches for all sorts of people. That's great. If you value the traditional, uh, you, nothing here we do 
seems to last long enough to be tradition, <laughs> you know. So I'm always like, well, you might prefer this kind of a church because, but here's here's the thing. So Erin grew up, she actually grew up far from God, her, her family. I mean, her, her, her mom came from church, but they weren't going to church. She went to camp and gave her life to Christ. Um, but then her mom, they started, so she comes from a traditional church setting where the gifts of the spirit are not really in operation. So um, they would have said that they are, they would say that today, but they're not really in operation, gifts of prophecy and all of those things that I spoke about. Everybody freaks out about speaking in tongues, by the way. I'm going to do a whole sermon on speaking in tongues. I'm going to just explain it from the scriptures and be like, um, you got to watch that speaking in tongues. No, I'm going to explain it to you. Don't base it on your experience or what you think that you know. Um, so that was Aaron's background. Now at camp, uh, she, she was filled with the Holy Spirit in camp, what we call filled with the Holy Spirit, and I'll explain all this at camp. And so she had the, the kind of a tapped into the supernatural there, I would say. For me, I was in my 30s moving from this kind of the supernatural camp more into the logical camp because that's where my brain naturally goes. I, I'm much more controlled and logical that way. And I was moving from here to here. I was thinking like church culture could shift. We could change. We could. But then here's, the, here's, here's our story. When our family fell off the rails and our marriage fell hard and, and the devil got in there and, and it, it got real bad, the need drove us back here. And this is why venue looks the way that it does. That's why we preach the way and sing the way and operate the way that we do. Because the need, we ran into, into supernatural, we ran into spiritual problems that we couldn't fix logically. We, we, we came back over here, and I'm, I'm going to just give you a little bit of teaching today about what that looks like. So that's sort of our, our background. And we came back here because we missed Dancing with Snakes. Um, <laughs> release the snakes. Can you imagine? Oh, snakes are the devil, man. Anybody would have one. Got a problem. All right. Listen. Listen. 90% of your life is common sense and logic. 90% of it. Like, you teach your kids this, right? Think. You know, think. Don't mess your lives up. Like, do this. Spend your money wisely. Dave Ramsey. Okay. 90% is common sense and logic. But here's the, here's the thing. If you don't build it on the 10% that's supernatural, you'll start taking your direction from common sense and logic. And so Jesus is going to show us, hey, guys, yeah, yeah, yeah. Most of your life, you have to live very responsibly with wisdom and all of those things. But if you don't build it on the first tenth, which I think needs to be supernatural, the Holy Spirit working and moving and speaking... You're firing a bunch of arrows out in a war, but you're not firing where they matter because you're not hearing where they need to go. And so it's no different. It's no different than why I give my tithe, my first tenth. We actually give more than that, and we have for years, to God through the church. So of our income, we just take 10%, more than that, and we just give it to, to God through the church because God says, if you do it, I can tap it into the supernatural. And he's saying, 100% over here, it's nothing. If you give me 10% over here, I'll take the 90%, tap it into the supernatural. It'll give you more than you ever had before. And I'll do a whole bunch of other things for you too. And so it's tapping into the supernatural power of the living God. I think that your life needs to keep in mind, I got to wake up and give that 10% to God first so that the rest of it's not all wasted. So when we think about it like that, it kind of makes sense. Now, here's the problem. If you grew up in church, we tend to limit what God could do by what he has done. We tend to limit what God could do by what he already has done. So you start trying to cram the next miracle into the last miracle. 
And the children of Israel run into the Red Sea with Pharaoh right behind them. And they're like, we're going to die. Because we've never been up against the Red Sea before. And, and God is like, it's just another obstacle. Guys, have you not been watching my miracles? They're a little unpredictable in how I do them. They're a little creative. They're a little powerful. And so if God would do the same thing that he saved your marriage the last time and do it in the same way. But he doesn't tend to do that. And we tend to limit what, we, what God could do tomorrow by what we've already experienced yesterday. And then we get to this weird place where the devil starts whispering in your ear, you already have all of the Holy Spirit that you need. You already have all of the Holy Spirit that there is. And I've heard this preached from the pulpit. You, if, you were, were, if you became a Christ follower and you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, and I'm going to explain the difference now. Yes, of course you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. But then they say, you don't need any more. That's all that, that the devil has to whisper. You already have it all. Do you have all of the Holy Spirit, tiny human? That's a terrifying thing to say in my mind. Um, trust bridges the gap from what God did yesterday to what he could do tomorrow. Now, if you want to sit on a spiritual couch, you don't need the Holy Spirit. Not really. You want to sit on a spiritual couch, you want to come to church, you don't want to give anything, you don't want to get engaged in an army, in, in a war, you don't want to care about your neighbor, you don't want to do anything, you just want to sit at home and be safe until heaven. You don't really need much of the power of the Holy Spirit. But as soon as you walk into a war, as soon as you bump into the supernatural, as soon as something starts happening in your life that you need more of, what begins to happen is that your soul starts getting extremely depleted. And then you get into unpredictable situations, unprecedented times, uncontrollable problems, and impossible objectives. Now, supernatural people come out on top in chaos and war because they are tapped into a God who is greater than tomorrow. Not just a God who's been there, a God who is greater than and who's using today as a plan and a training ground. But many of us are trapped in a theology that provides us control, but little fruit. So, would you give up your theology that has... Uh, the theology just means a system of beliefs about what I believe about God. Would you give up what you think that you know to pick up what the scriptures say yeah. and the promise of Jesus? Trust is the thing that walks the net across the boat. You remember last week's sermon? Go back and watch that if you haven't watched that yet or listened to that. The fishermen are out fishing all night and they're fishing on the left side of the boat. And Jesus is like, hey guys, toss your net over to the other side. The supernatural is where you are right now. You just got to take the net from what you know, because these were fishermen he's talking to. And they could have, like you and I do, say like, you're a carpenter. Why are you telling us how to fish? 15 feet over here is not going to matter. Jesus is like, 15 over, feet over here is the supernatural. Well, how can there be more fish here than there is here? And Jesus is like, supernatural. Well, I don't understand it. Jesus is like, good. Because if you did, then you'd think it was you. Yeah. Look at me. I'm an amazing fisherman. And Jesus is like, no, you're not all that amazing. I got... <laughs> Some of y'all, you, you had a job interview, and you were the worst one out of 25, and you got the job, and you think it was you. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit's just like... Trust is the thing that walks it from experience and a promise. Trust. Luke, Luke the doctor. I love, I love doctors. Luke the doctor says this. You fathers, he's recording the words of Jesus. If your children ask for a fish, Jesus says, do you give them a snake instead? Why is Jesus talking about this, by the way? Because Jesus knows that you are completely predictable. Your lack of trust is completely predictable. If your 
fathers, if your children ask, like Corey, you terrible Halloween fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? You wake up Saturday morning, you make them an egg sandwich, and they lift it up, and there's a scorpion inside. <laughs> you know, watch that praying in tongues, boy. It might be the devil. That's what I used to hear when I was a kid. You got to watch that praying in tongues. It might be the devil. Did you ask the devil to make you breakfast? <laughs> then it might be. You got to watch asking God for the Holy Spirit. You might get the devil. That's the arguments that I heard when I was a kid. And Jesus knew it was coming. And he writes this very predictable situation. Would you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people, that word means Jesus is saying you diseased people. <laughs> you Halloween screw-ups. If you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? He's not talking to unchurched, unsaved people. He's not talking to people on the outside. He's talking to sons and daughters. If you fathers know how to give good gifts to your sons and daughters, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So you must not have it all. It's impossible. No. You're going to see the difference between the Holy Spirit filling you up on the inside, giving you eternal life and saving you. Because if you follow Jesus, that's what's happened. So it's a completely different aspect of the Holy Spirit that Jesus is talking about. Now, if your theology says you already have all of the Holy Spirit, it disagrees with Jesus' theology, and Jesus is theology. Now, this is where we get into this funny little thing where, where Jesus is telling a story, and he says, ask for it. Now, we don't understand this because we're Canadians, so ask for it. Well, if I need the Holy Spirit, why, would, why do I have to ask for it? Shouldn't God just give it to me? Shouldn't God just give me more of the Holy Spirit in this way? Well, think about it. If you have children now, this is a very common thinking. Like, my children need food and shelter. We would call that, like, human needs, right? My children need food and shelter. I shouldn't make them ask for it. That would disagree with this. I shouldn't. So society, now we got to go counterintuitive to society. Because society says, you deserve it. You shouldn't have to ask for it. My boss should give me a raise. I shouldn't have to ask for it. I should, Right? I should get, have all these rights and freedoms, and I shouldn't have to ask for it. And Jesus is like, you don't get the Holy Spirit if you don't ask for him. So, so what's going on here? It's good for moms to teach their kids, ask me for dinner. Why? Why? Asking levels pride. Asking admits that you don't have it all, and you need somebody. You need something you don't have, and you need it from somebody that's got it. Asking. Just think about that. Asking. The only people who don't have to ask are kings. You need to stop acting like a king in your own house or a queen in your own house. You are not. I say my daughters are princesses, but they do not get treated like that at home. Because there's garbage to take out. Ask. Why do I have to ask? Listen, if you're in a marriage, we, we do this all the time. Well, my spouse should just know. They've been with me and they should just know and give me everything that I want. Or I mean uh, need. And Jesus is saying, why do you ask? I don't tell. Hey, I need this from you. Why do you ask? Well, they're going to say no. Okay. Then work on your trust. Give them an opportunity to at least say no. But I see this all the time. Listen, wives, work on this a little bit. Well, my husband should know my emotional needs. Have you ever met one of us? <laughs> We're not smart. 
You gotta help us. Help us. Tell us. <laughs> Emotionally connected. Oh my goodness, no. Teach. It's okay to ask. In fact, if you don't ask, you won't get it. Why? Because you think that they owe it to you somehow. You think that God owes this to you. and No, he doesn't owe you anything. You're alive. You made it to church with pants on. You didn't get hit. You didn't. Like, come on. What does he owe you? <laughs> Everything you have, man. Everything you have is a gift. Teach your children to ask. Um, listen, we, I, I preached a few weeks ago about generational spirits. You have to ask people with authority to pray over you. Why? Because you don't have authority over those things. And God's like, that's what the army works. You ask the colonel for this. You ask the air team for this. You ask this person for that. You need ground troops. You ask. You ask, you ask, you ask. That's how it works. Now, now here's the thing. Here's what the Bible says about sickness. Am I, is a pastor allowed to preach about sickness? Yes. Okay. Here's what the Bible, James, the brother of Jesus writes about sickness. If you are sick, call for Alberta Health and have a nurse pray for you on the phone. <laughs> James, the brother of Jesus, before you get mad at me, don't shoot the messenger. Don't pick a fight with the brother of Jesus. <laughs> Some kid picked a fight with my brother one time and I came in and I'm just like, Johnny, it's the end of the world. What do you want to do? You pick a fight with my brother? I don't care if he was wrong. It makes no difference because here I am. Don't pick up a fight with James, the brother of Jesus. His big brother's terrifying. He says, watch what James says. If, any, if there are any sick among you, let them call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise them up. And if they've committed sins, they'll be forgiven too. Why? Because I can. No, I'm not saying that healthcare isn't great and they're not helping. But they're not God. James is like, okay, well... Sin and sickness often tied together. He's like, hey, why don't you call for the elders of the church? I had headaches all week. I had some weird pressure thing going on in my head. And I had to remember, wait, wait, wait. My, I got to ask my, my wife. She's an elder in the church. I ask her, can you pray for me? I got to quit running to the Advil all the time. Like, yeah, take an Advil, but hey, can you pray for me? I need a supernatural act of God so I don't have to do this anymore. So I don't have to keep. No, like it's, it's like call for the elders of the church. Listen, I grew up in healthcare here. I grew up a very sick kid, and I know how much we trust healthcare more than we trust God. We need a little more supernatural here to take the load off of healthcare, if I can be honest. Come on, Christ followers. By his stripes, you were healed. Let's get into it. God does not respond to need. He responds to faith. That's why you have to ask. People get hung up on this all the time, and I try to tell them, look, man was given choice. We gave the world to the devil. He broke it. God can only come back in as much as we ask him to. He will not transgress it and make you a robot and remove your brain for you. He won't do that. Why? Because in his character, he gave a gift, and he's not taking it back. And we're like, well, take your power and transgress your character and give us what, and give us what we want. And he's like, my power comes from my character, so no. God, heaven responds to faith, and faith requires asking. It does not respond to need. So help somebody understand that this week and be like, well, how is God allowing all of these things to happen? God does not respond to need because men made choices. But can I pray for you? But do you want to ask God for something that you need? Well, he should just give it to me. No, you're not the king of everything. Only kings get everything that they want without asking. You're not that. We're children. We need to ask our Father in heaven. It's good preaching. Pastor, preach that, Pastor. Yeah, Pastor's right. Okay. 
Churches are full of people who are waiting, but they're not asking. People who have a form of godliness, but deny its power. Luke, the doctor, records in Acts. I love that the Holy Spirit and the accounts of the Holy Spirit are written down by a doctor. Just to calm everybody down. Peter didn't write it because I don't know what, what he would write. He did write in the New Testament, by the way. In my first book, Luke says, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. I feel like I need to say this. Some of you, you've been chosen, but like chosen by God doesn't mean that you're there yet. So relax, but you've still been chosen. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. It took him 40 days to convince fleshly disciples that he was alive and it was actually him. You want to live in the flesh? It takes spirit to recognize spirit. If they had been, if the Holy Spirit had been in them the way that God wanted the Holy Spirit in their lives, they would have immediately recognized this. But listen, how? They lock the room up. There's a bunch of disciples in a room. They lock all the doors and Jesus appears. And it took him 40 days of appearing before they finally, who else would it be? Somebody pretending to be Jesus? Job description just opened up. What happened to the last guy? Crucified. How much money did he make? Nothing. What do I have to be able to do? Walk through walls and stuff. Yeah, I'm in. Let's do it. I'm show up and trick a bunch of people. Who else would it be? This is you living your life right now in the flesh. The needle's just jammed in the flesh, and Jesus is showing up all the time trying to do something, and you're like, I don't know if that's really you. He's like, who else would it be? Who else gave you that job? Who else got you that wife? Who else? And if he did it before, he can do it again, but what he did is a stumbling block in your mind to what he could do because you're not tapped in the supernatural. Once when he was eating with them, he's like sitting beside them. It says he suggested... Oh, no. That's right. Jesus, he doesn't do a lot of suggesting. Christ follower, your theology, if it's keeping you away from the Holy Spirit, <laughs> can I just say this? Get your crap together. This is not a suggestion. This is a matter of survival. This is not a suggestion like, well, you know, it happens to some people and it happens. No, 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 no. He commanded them. Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, just as I told you before. Do not. If you try to run out there, the devil has power and he will outrun you. He will outrun your defense and he will start sacking your quarterback. Come on, football fans. He will outrun you if you try to leave Jerusalem and fulfill the Great Commission without this. Do not. Oh my goodness, do not. You'll get shot in the face. Do not leave Jerusalem. It says, John baptized your bodies. Remember, we talked about the different baptisms. Your bodies with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Verse 8, but you will receive, this is my favorite verse, power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Yeah. 
but you will receive power when the Holy, that's different, power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. See, the Holy Spirit comes within you as a well springing up to eternal life for you. But then we're going to be studying this as, this as the series goes on. You need a river of life flowing out for those around you. Yeah. Don't leave Jerusalem. Now, now. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Okay, you will receive power. That word power means for performing miracles. Anybody need a miracle? I, I knew this sermon was going to be on fire. And some of you need to start responding like I'm preaching. You will receive power for performing miracles, ready? Moral power and excellence of soul. That's the missing piece. Your mind and your will and your emotions. Your moral power and excellence of soul. That's why you're addicted. That's why you're, that's why. Because you don't have this yet. And then it says power. That word power means power and resources arising from numbers. Power consisting in armies and forces. Like, hey, you're fighting with a little. Now we're going to get a lot. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. That word upon means, are you ready? Superimposition of Simon Peter just got bitten by a radioactive spider. Super. Get your cape on and let's go. It means superimposition of, ready? Upon, not within. Upon, upon. Superimposition of, ready? Take charge of, take over. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. But here we are today, back where we started, back with Luke, and Jesus, right before he tells the scorpion sandwich story, where he's like, the main problem is not that the Holy Spirit is here. The main power is not that the Holy Spirit, Venue Church, isn't ready to be poured out. God's got a bucket ready to go. That's not the problem. He's like, the main problem... Is that you haven't asked. Now watch. No, I did ask one time. Watch. Watch. This is the verse preceding the scorpion sandwich verse when he's like, ask for the Holy Spirit and my father will give it to you. This is the verses before. So I tell you, Jesus says, keep on asking. The initial translation that we grew up in churches didn't have that in there. It just had the word ask in there. But that word translated means keep at it. Keep on asking. Like, go, 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 go. Yeah. And you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking. Yeah. And you will find, keep on knocking, and the door will be open. Well, if you knock hard enough, that door's got to go down. Yeah. It is a persistence and tenacity yeah. that you approach this with. Listen, if you won't approach your, the inheritance that God has for you with tenacity, and he just hands it to you because you needed it, and you didn't even ask, and you didn't keep on asking, and asking brings humility. you got to go till you get and if he just handed it to you, then you'd be like, I must be special. I got the inheritance. And Jesus is like, I'm special. It's my inheritance. You keep asking because you're here to serve and not be served. Get at it and knock that door down. Everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Listen. About the power of the Holy Spirit. You must desire it like you have desired nothing else. Outside of salvation. I mean, if you're single and you're lonely, man, you want a wife. You need to desire the power of the Holy Spirit one million times more than you desire that. Because you'll get a wife, but you won't be able to keep her. <laughs> you're going to need the supernatural. Come on. More than you desire a child. Because you have a child, but you're not going to be able to raise it right without... 
one comes from the other, you must choose it above every other good thing you have. You must leave everything by the roadside until you obtain it. Everything you know, everything you've experienced, you must force yourself to choose your inheritance in Christ above all treasure. Listen, the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit is no accident. It's an accident. It's 100% predictable, 100% attainable, and 100% commanded. Now, it's up to you. The Holy Spirit is here. He gave me the sermon to preach. He gave Jesus the sermon to preach about. I'm just re-preaching it. If you don't get the Holy Spirit in the way that Jesus prescribed, what will happen? I'm a pastor's kid. I grew up with Christians. I have watched this happen generation after generation, person after person. It's never different. What happens if, if you don't ask and don't keep knocking and break that door down and get what you need of the Holy Spirit upon you, you will be easy to injure and difficult to heal. The devil doesn't really want to just kill Renee. He wants to wound her on the battlefield so that he takes out three of you to help her get to the medic every week. Now, I see Christians who have a problem on Monday and they're down for three weeks. I'm like, you can have a problem on Monday and wake up Tuesday morning and go. You will be difficult to heal if you don't have the power of the Holy Spirit upon you. Power and forces and numbers and healing. and Some of you haven't forgiven yet because you don't have the power of the Holy Spirit upon you. You're trying to forgive in your own strength. You can't forgive somebody in your own strength. Do it in the strength of heaven. You will be easily offended and feel lonely and underpowered and get angry with heaven one day because it didn't give you what you didn't ask for. Refusal to obey commands in a war is extremely dangerous to the people around you. And refusal to fight with a refusal to fight with heaven's weapons is dangerous. Now, this is the picture that I had. I don't know if this is the Holy Spirit or, the, or my flesh. But I feel like some of you are trying to fight the devil with a toilet plunger. And on the other side of the boat, if you just go fishing over there, is a rocket launcher. And I think it's time today to lay down the toilet plunger and be like, okay, that worked for a little bit. But I need a rocket launcher, oh God. Heavenly Father, right now, we realize that it was our job to keep on asking, and we didn't. It was our job to get our theology straight with heaven and straight with Jesus, and we didn't. And we're sorry. We're sorry that we passed over the gift and the inheritance that you had given us. Right now, Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you would receive this request from us. It's just the first of many that we're going to do again tonight and again tomorrow morning. We're asking. We're knocking. We're seeking. Do not leave us without the Holy Spirit. Somebody today needs to not leave today without the power of the Holy Spirit upon you. Lord, we are not going to leave Jerusalem until we get We're going to stay. We're going to fight. We're going to. There's a train coming. It's the train of the Holy Ghost. You're going to have to run us over with it. If you won't let us get on it, we're gonna, you're going to have to run us over. Here we are on the tracks, Lord. Holy Spirit, come. Give us everything that you have for us, Father. In the name of Jesus, amen.